The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by a teacher and travel blogger who lists her favourite movie as Fight Club and favourite TV show as Band of Brothers. Welcome back to the show, the man who tried to burn his house down even in the middle of a flood, Buddy McClellan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wheat bags and microwaves are a very dangerous combination. I, I love that your fire alarm goes off for any other little thing, but when there's an actual fire, it's like, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, like my fire alarm will go off for toast. It goes off if you cook the meat on the wrong burner. Like we've got one of those, it's like a Smeg range hood. But if it's if you cook meat on the left-hand side of it, it'll set the smoke alarm off. But I literally accidentally set fire to one of those like heat packs and it stopped spinning in the microwave and I heard a I went back and the microwave was full of smoke and there was flames coming off of it chucked it in the sink wheat stuff went everywhere over the floor like the whole thing heaps of smoke smoke alarm did nothing that's reassuring yeah I was like two seconds away from going for the fire extinguisher it was that bad (laughs) wow that's yeah that's that's not what you want from your smoke alarm if there's actual fire and it's like, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll survive. Yeah, it's just chilling. It was too early in the morning for the smoke alarm, I guess. But, yeah, it was crazy. And then there was wheat and stuff all over the floor, six in the morning, like first thing I did it all day. And I'm just, obviously I have to try and clean it up before the, the puppy we have tries to eat it all. And and my wife just goes, gets the toaster, puts it on the bench. Yeah, what are you doing? Help me clean it. She goes, what? I've got to go to work. <laughs> I'm making toast. Stepped over the mess and the flames with the toaster. <laughs> Did she then set the smoke alarm off with the toaster? No, thankfully not. I, yeah, true. <laughs> that would have been funny if it's like, are you serious? You act, yeah, you're working still. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of glad. It scares me. I guess being in a big building, I'm terrified I'll be that one person that gets the whole place evacuated. Gets everyone out on the street like we did when we lived in that big building? Yeah. <laughs> How have you guys dealt with this downpour of... The rain bomb that they're calling it. Yeah, we've been obviously living in a ninth-story apartment. It's not too much of a worry about the flood water getting that high. Hopefully, like it'll be Noah coming with his ark by the time it gets to us. But it's been a pain on the roads. Mostly, it's just been scary going to work. We've been cancelled a few times, which I think as a teacher is just as exciting as when a kid gets like a, a day off from school. You get just as excited. But rain day. Yeah, well, it's just been it's a challenge to get there. Or sometimes, like the other day, it started midway through the day. We had to like evacuate the kids because the streets were all flooding. But then it was hard to get home as well. So it's just, yeah, just more stress on an already hard year, I guess. Yeah, I saw a tweet last night. Um, we're three disasters away from Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it feels like we've done plague, we've done floods, we've done fires. There's going to be like some locusts coming and then like the horsemen will come after that. Oh, well, apparently there's now uh, Japanese encephalitis in all the mosquitoes. So that's fun. Japanese encephalitis. There's nothing to worry about. There you go. 
<laughs> and with all the rain, there's mosquitoes everywhere. It's like, oh, great. That's what I wanted to see on the news. I'm just full ostrich mode now, like just bury my head in the sand and just ignore the news. Fair enough. Now that I've booked my overseas holiday, I'm like, I'm staying away from everyone. Keep all your gross sickness away from me because if I fail the COVID test <laughs> one day before I'm due to leave, I'll be so annoyed. Yeah, well, I've been doing them every single day for work. My nose is killing. Ugh. Do you still have to keep doing that? Doesn't that end soon? I don't know. Well, I was off work, obviously, with the heat pack thing. I threw my neck out. So I was off work the last couple of days when they would have restocked us. So I'm not sure. I'll go back to work um, tomorrow and work it out. Fingers crossed that's over then. But I kind of want to test. I just don't want to have to do them every day. Like it's just, it doesn't feel right sticking something into my brain first thing every morning before I have a coffee. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, they like we've got them. I've got them here at home and I'm like, mm, I'm trying to hold out on using them and if I, until I feel like sick. Yeah. The rules for the America are you have to test one day before you go. Cuts it real goddamn fine. Yeah. It have to be like that. Can it be a rapid or does it have to be the PCR one? It can be a rapid, thank Christ. Otherwise, I would have to pay the exorbitant fee to get it done at the airport to guarantee it came back in a day. Right. Just rapid test in the morning, but it has to be witnessed by either a pharmacist or a doctor, and then they have to give you a form to say, like, yeah, they passed this test at this time. They're good to go. Right. And then I've got to do the same over there to come back. Yeah. Everyone's panicking, but not panicking. Like, we care, but we don't care about it. Yeah, it's like as long as you tick the box, we're happy for that. That'll do. Well, when do you go? Uh, the end of May. So I'm going on the 24th. I leave and I get back on like the 6th of June, but fly out of there on like the 4th of June. Yeah. Do you know what type of plane you're flying on? I believe they are the ones that I am terrified of. The one over there <laughs> is, that's fine. I'm not worried about the one over there. Yeah. It's the flights once I get into America that are terrifying. Now, thanks to the documentary we watched. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Boeing. Yeah. So this week we are doing an episode diving into two documentaries since we're both big nerds. <laughs> the first one being Downfall, the case against Boeing on Netflix. How did you feel about that one overall as a avid traveler i am traveler and plane nerd like massive plane nerd and my whole time growing up and it's it really spoke to me the documentary because it kind of talked about how boeing used to be the peak of just doing what was right and sort of extending their technology and aviation and doing things safely and well and you could trust boeing as a company and i remember growing up as a little kid i remember flying ANSET when it was still going to the gold coast and flying in a 737 then and ever since then, Boeing's been something that I've looked at jumbo jets, like the 747s, and even now we're supposed to be going over to Hawaii this year for a family wedding. I'm desperate to try and get on a, a 787, the Dreamliner, but knowing now that they had the 737 Maxes and how many of them crashed and the way that they crashed terrifies me. Like I just lost so much trust with Boeing. I'm still desperate to get on a Dreamliner, but I am never going on a 737 Max. You can't make me. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure they are the majority of US domestic planes, what it looks like. like all my domestic flights, I think, are on those. How do you feel about trains? Uh, from one side of the country to the other, not great. <laughs> it's already a massive flight. Uh, well, they, I mean, they've updated them, but I guess the, the thing with the documentary was it was just really showing you how much their company has changed in for profit rather than quality. 
And I guess with a company like an airline or with a, a plane manufacturer, airplane manufacturer like Boeing, that you can't cut corners to make money and expect that things aren't going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, like it, it just shows a, a total shift in philosophy at the top of the company where they were. If we miss deadlines, that's fine as long as these are the safest planes on the market. And then they eventually got to the point where get the goddamn plane out. We need it out there and we don't want people having to do extra training. So do whatever it takes to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, like the extra training too, and they hid it from everybody was the crazy part that they just didn't want to put their pilots in simulators. But then there was a fault in the plane that could be set by a little kid's happy birthday balloon hitting one sensor on the plane. And the whole thing, like it was a terrifying way for, was it like 350 people died in two separate crashes and it was not just like a crash. It was like a, like, it didn't just go down. It went up and down and up and down and up and down and up. And then eventually it just plummeted. Like, well, the pilots had 10 seconds to save everyone's lives. And then if they missed that window with something they had no idea how to do, then it was guaranteed death no matter what you did after that. Yeah. Like it was. I feel like that would be the most terrifying way to crash. Like it wasn't just, oh, suddenly the plane isn't working and it's falling. It's, oh, we're, we're losing control backwards and forwards. We've got it. We've got it. We've lost it. Like you said, after 10 seconds, it's unsavable. Like you are going that fast and the nose is pitching down. There's no way to pull up, even if you have switched everything off and taken back full manual controls. Yeah, it's terrifying. I guess to show you the the software parts of these planes now like we're so used to the idea that technology runs everything but the software in them can still it's just ones and zeros and if someone gets that wrong then it kills everybody I mean, i've seen this a very similar thing i was watching being a plane nerd i was watching the same sort of a video as a um f-18 and it did the exact same thing like the fighter plane and crashed into the ground as well and it just does that it's crazy bounce and then falls but those poor people on there I mean, every time it went down, they must have thought they were going to die. And every time it went back up, they thought, oh, maybe we're going to be okay. And then it went back down again and back up again. And it's just, just horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. And, like, just the fact that Boeing's engineers and obviously the people signing off on everything decided, oh, we don't need two sensors for this critically important software system. Like, just one will do. But, yeah, it's a plane. Like, there should be fail-safes because... Like one of the guys in the interview said, you hit stuff all the time in a plane, whether it's a bird or a balloon or whatever. Like, Yeah. <laughs> one little sensor is not a great idea for such a critically important software system. Oh, it's crazy. Like, it's like the same people that made my smoke alarm were making planes by the end of it. Like it's, I don't I just don't understand with companies like that, how they think that if they go for the cheap option and get a lot of money at the, the time that they're at, that people aren't going to realise the quality is not good and in five to ten years' time, like's happening now, people like me who love Boeing are now big fans of Airbus and I used to be the complete opposite. I used to think, oh, man, I don't want to fly in an Airbus. I wish it was a Boeing and now I'm the other way around completely, other than the Dreamliner, which I'm still just hooked on. But it's just, yeah, if I'm flying domestically now, I'd be pushing for, I would probably change airlines just to get on an Airbus rather than have to do a 737 MAX, even though I know they've updated them but I just don't trust them. And once you lose that trust in a company like that, then the money that you made in the short term is pointless. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like, get me on an A380 and I'll be happy. Well, they stopped making them. I know, but they're <laughs> huge still. They're still everywhere. You see them every time yeah. you drive past the Sydney airport, you're like, that is a big plane. That is massive. 
Well, that was the thing because the Dreamliner was the the combat to that, which is makes me feel like they kind of went back again the other way, hopefully. But their whole thing was rather than go big, go economical and go for longer. So, I mean, that's the one that can go Perth to London without stopping. Not that I think my legs and my back and everything of me in economy class that's just struggling. The one good time to be short in economy class, but doing Perth to London would be an absolute struggle. As much as I hate running through the airport at Abu Dhabi and getting bomb swabbed and all the rest of it, but yeah, but the the efficiency is something that I really think is cool. But it's, they need to do that. I mean, that seven three seven had been going since what the seventies. Oh yeah, they've had that just slight iterations on that for decades now. It's crazy. Yeah, so do something new, like twenty twenty two. Draw something new. Don't try and kill us with the old stuff. Yep. In terms of this documentary, I really enjoyed that it was just an hour and a half, one go documentary rather than what we sort of seem to have been moving towards with Netflix docos of the six to eight episode things, which at times, if there's not a huge amount of content, they just feel really drawn out, like they're diving into stuff unnecessarily. Whereas this was compact, hour and a half, and it was compelling the entire time. Yeah, I understand the great. Like I hate when you watch a series and it just drags little things out over and over and over. And I thought the whole time in this, I was really engaging. Like I think they had the opportunity to probably do that if they wanted to. They probably could have done the the design part at the start and then interviewed the um, engineers in the middle and then done the families at the end. But I, I think you're right. Like the hour and a half of having the mix between families and victims and the pilot's family who was sort of trying to clear her husband's name as being a good pilot and the lawsuits at the end and all the rest of it, I thought it was really, really, it was good. It kept me into it the whole entire time, which is, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a lot better. Yeah, I think that that hour and a half flew by. I, I put it on thinking, oh, I'll watch a little bit of this and then I'll go to bed and I'll come back and watch the next, the rest of it the next night. And before I knew it, I had 15 minutes to go and I was like, oh, well, I might as well just finish this now. Yeah. I, I still at the end, like it's, I can't believe that they ended up just paying fines and no one got criminally convicted. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And like they flat lied. Yeah. They just put it as an acronym and then didn't have an explanation for what that acronym was in the glossary. Like, yeah, yeah that's just a thing. Just don't worry about it. It's fine. I think it's just a common theme at the moment. People are starting to get fed up with the idea that big companies, if you have enough money to pay for it, you can get out of anything. Like, I think they ended up getting fined, what was it, like $2.3 billion or something like that. But, I mean, for a company like Boeing... Sell two planes on their suite. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's still achievable to survive through that. And you've now killed 350 people. And, like, I think the some of the bits they get to you, like, was when they worked out the, the time it would take to fix the fault compared to the amount of crashes that would happen and that there would be a fatal crash once every two years. Mm. They were ready for 14 crashes, 14 sets of people having to suffer that. They were fine with it. Yeah, like I looked at the stats and it was, yeah, the crash at two Boeing 737 Maxes, Lion Air Flight 610 on October 29, 2018, crashed 13 minutes after departing an Indonesian airport, killed 189 passengers and crew, so everyone on board made it the highest death toll of any accident or incident involving a Boeing 737 plane, the deadliest crash in Lion Air history, and the second deadliest crash in Indonesian history. And then the second one was Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 on March 10th, 
2019, so not even that long after, like five, six months later. Six crashed six minutes after departing its air, airport, killed all 157 people on board, uh, made it the deadliest crash in Ethiopian history. And then, yeah, both were the result of the MCAS system, which relied on one single sensor to basically determine if the plane was ascending too steeply. And if it was, it kicked in to pitch the nose down and the pilots had no control over that and had 10 seconds to realize why every alarm system was lighting up on their board and the plane was suddenly diving towards the ground. And if they didn't make a decision in 10 seconds, they were done. Yeah, and even the fix that they gave them didn't work. Like they sold them to do what change their flap setting and power up or whatever it was, and that didn't even work. Like they gave them terrible, terrible decisions. So, yeah, I don't know. I've lost a lot of trust in Boeing, and I guess that's something that's crazy to me in like 2018, 2019, that you think that could still happen because we just think these companies have all these safety measures in place and and whatever else, and some of them do. But I guess it's just really an eye-opening documentary into the idea that in 2022, there's very, very much still companies, probably even sometimes more so, companies that are more worried about the dollars that they can make out of you rather than keeping you safe. Yeah, like, it's just crazy. And, yeah, like, they had 10 seconds to turn everything off if they didn't make it. And it's like, why did it take two crashes for the FAA as well to be like, yeah, okay, we need to actually investigate why these planes were perfectly fine on takeoff, just suddenly dove headfirst into the ground. Yeah, well, that's always the sketchiest parts is the takeoffs and the landings. So, oh, I don't know. That's poor people. That's all I can think of that whole time. No amount of money. Like, you could offer me $2.3 billion, but that wouldn't get your family member back. Especially because, like, did that fine go to the family? I don't think it did. Yeah, I know parts of it did. So I think they made one of those, um, like, trust fund system where – the next of kin and the ongoing families after that get paid by Boeing. Okay. But, yeah, I actually didn't see how much it was per person, but I imagine it would be in the order of millions. But I don't think any amount, like you ask any single person for the cost of your brother, your mother, your sister, your wife, your husband, you can't offer me an amount of money that that's worth. Yeah, well, I guess what, even if it was a flat $2 billion, like you divide that by... 350 odd people yeah it's it's not a huge amount per person no but it is good to know that that faa they changed the laws behind it that now they can investigate more heavily and basically not have the wool pulled over their eyes so easily yeah the fact that they were so just like okay they they said they said they've looked at it and it's all updated and fine was pretty crazy as well yeah like they just take the manufacturer's word that it's all fixed and they know exactly what caused the accident rather than doing an independent investigation, which I think most people think that's what would happen in that situation. Yeah. Well, I don't know. How do you feel about flying on them now? Not great. <laughs> have you looked? Use you can see when you book a flight. I'll have a look now. I'm pretty sure they are those. Because I think when I looked Australia, I had only just, like, Virgin definitely would get in them. I think Qantas stuck with Airbus. So I think we have a couple, but I don't know that we have heaps. Okay, so Sydney to LA is a Boeing 787. There you go, the Dreamliner. He's on. Don't worry about that one. That one's cool. (laughs) Sucked in. Beat you to it, mate. (laughs) 
LA to Vegas is an Airbus A321. Okay, yeah, safe. Vegas to LA, Airbus A431neo. Safe, they're the new ones. That's the ones that kind of competing against the, the 737 Maxes, the Neos, yeah. Oh, sweet. I didn't get any. Hey, we're safe. LA to Orlando is another Airbus. Orlando to Dallas is an Air, Airbus A321. And then Dallas to Sydney is a 787. And then the Dreamliners. So that's good. And that's probably got to show you. Like, I mean, Boeing is the American company yeah. versus Airbus, the European company. But it shows you now that's just how much business they've lost. I mean, and they used to really love the, the Boeings there. I mean, I was the scariest flight I had over there. And we did a, a trip when I counted, when I looked at this, because I tried to work out if I would have flown on any. I'm not sure, but we definitely threw, flew on a bunch of 737s. And that was with United which I hated, like United, it was Houston to New Orleans. And it was the scariest flight of my life. Like it was just felt dodgy the entire way. The plane seemed like old and crap. So it probably wasn't one of the maxes, but I mean, it was so bad that I think I had an iPad at the time and I just wanted to get off the plane so badly. And if it was only an hour and I love flying, like I enjoy it. I want to learn how to fly a plane, like, enjoy looking at the planes just plain nerd but i hated that flight so bad that once it landed i just got off and i left my ipad in the seat which i'm pretty sure a cleaner steeled um stole steeled stole. but yeah someone definitely pocketed that <laughs> i just didn't care at that point i was like just get me off this plane so wow yeah 737s to me new or old just avoid them yeah i feel like i i would have flown on one at some point when i was over there the first time because i had multiple flights do they would we have many of them here in australia like i feel like surely i've flown on one from here to melbourne a few times yeah i think we do have them but that's what i'm saying like, i think the companies are leaning more towards airbus like i know the Qantas system is more sort of scaled towards domestic flights being airbus um and then the internationals being the boeings but yeah i i would imagine the orders pretty much stopped after that i think virgin got a couple uh, but I think they waited. There's the, they've renamed them. I think it's like the 737 Max 10 now or something. Uh, so they've a new name so they don't sound as terrifying. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll rebrand it. 737 Max, not going to kill you, version 2. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's, there's a few of them out there. But like I said, like if, when you book flights, I don't know. For me, I'll, I'll always check the, the plane just to be a nerd. But I'm definitely looking to see if it's 737 Max now to avoid it. Just purely because of that documentary and what happened to those people. Yeah, fair. I'm, I'm just stoked that I managed to get LA to Orlando flight is a direct flight. I didn't think it was going to be possible. Would I? It's a long flight too. Mm-hmm. Six hours? I leave at 10.30 on the Wednesday night and I get there at 10 past six on Thursday morning. Ugh, yuck. <laughs> but I figured like if I'm going to do a cross-country flight, I might as well do it at night and not have to pay for a hotel for three hours just to get up and get back on the plane yeah well look just be thankful you're not going with my wife who would make a cross-country flight into five to six short hops to different places across the country of flights why to just visit everywhere you can <laughs> yuck look i'm telling you you need to go to new orleans it's the best place on earth i'll try and tell everyone but no one listens okay i'll, I'll add it to the stops next time next time right well I'll, I'll try and come with you next time i'll show you that's great okay um, yeah, I'm just keen for Vegas too. Vegas, how long are you there for? From Tuesday to Monday. 
three days in Vegas. You don't want more than three days. Yeah, well, I've got a show on the Wednesday, a show on the Friday, and then a show on the Sunday night. So I guess you don't drink, though, so that's probably the thing that will save you. Yes, I'm not going to be hungover for half of it. Well, I'm not going to tell you you're not doing it right, but you're not doing it right. <laughs> I'll get there Tuesday morning or Tuesday lunchtime. Spend that afternoon just by the pool trying to not die from jet lag. <laughs> just stay awake, which I failed last time I went to LA. It's like, I'm going to stay awake all day. I'm going to stay awake all day. 3.30 hit and I passed out. <laughs> yeah, it's the only way to do it is to keep yourself up. You can't wake up. you got to stay up. Yeah. I was just like, stay up, stay up, stay up. I walked around downtown LA and then I was like, I've been everywhere I want to go and feel safe going in downtown LA at the moment. So I'm just going to go and lay down. And then that that was it. I was gone. (laughs) It was a bad idea. I'm super keen for that trip. Not looking forward to the 21 and a half hour flight home though. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Not great. Keep it up. Just go to the doctor and get the Valiums, (laughs) get the the sleeping tablets. Maybe. Get the first class ticket and you don't have to worry. I'll, need, I'll probably need it for the flight over. The flight over there sucks because you're always so excited and can't sleep. Yeah. The flight home is just like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm passing out. Yeah. I wonder if your flights will be full. I don't know. That's what I'm, I feel like the domestic ones probably will be because that first weekend I'm there is a long weekend for America. Yeah. Okay. But I, I highly doubt the international ones will be. Well, hopefully you get some you can lay down, get a couple of seats. Yeah, I'm hoping for get all three seats, just take them all. I'm expecting a Dreamliner review when you get back. Next episode with after June will be a Dreamliner yeah. review with Buddy <laughs> nerding out, but being jealous. Pivoting into plane reviews. Surely there are plane review podcasts or plane nerd podcasts. There's definitely YouTube channels um, showing how nerdy I am. I only got like grilled yesterday because my wife found out that I used to paint Warhammer figurines. And now here I am telling you about me watching plane review YouTube channels. <laughs> so when when do you start building plane models? I've done that. Done that. You are an old man. <laughs> Next step, I've got my flight simulator. I'm doing flight sim already. I'm just waiting to get the money. It's so expensive to try and get a pilot license. It's crazy. But it's definitely on the cards. It's on the bucket list. Did you invest in the flight stick and everything yet? Yeah. Of course you did. I haven't got the actual big one, but oops, everything's coming out. Of course you did. Yeah, I actually wanted to get the big, like, proper yoke one, but I'm not, not allowed. And, and wouldn't allow that one? That was too too big of investment? She doesn't even like that one. She thinks it looks dodgy. It makes it look nerdy. She realised who she married. But there's some things you just going to have to deal with in a marriage, and that's one of them. Proclaimed to be an athlete, deep down nerd. Used to be. <laughs> now the nerd's coming back out. The nerd's got time. Yeah, because the athlete just keeps hurting himself. The athlete is very injured and sad and crying somewhere. (laughs) And now a quick word from our sponsors. First up is Decorate and Dance. For them, life is a party. With the world reopening and parties now becoming much more viable, if you're hosting a party, then all of the ingredients you need for a good time start with the three Ds. Design, decorate and dance. You can't have a party without a theme, design, balloons, florals and decorations, and some good tunes, dancing. The team over at Decorate and Dance can provide it all. Specializing in kids parties, adult parties, hens nights, baby showers, corporate events and weddings, Decorate and Dance are your one-stop shop. Book a designer, decorations and a DJ 
for your party to be remembered at www.decorateanddance.com.au. Next up is LF9designs. Are you in need of a new logo, event posters, Twitch overlays or emotes, or perhaps even merchandise designs? Look no further than LF9design for all of your graphic design needs. The team at LF9design can create anything that you need to suit all styles. Check them out on Instagram at LF9design. Maison de Femmes create romantic, handmade, gold-filled jewellery for lovers and dreamers. Each piece is handmade and personally shipped by Jess Kumanovsky of Australia. If you are looking for an amazing and unique piece for a loved one, then look no further than Maison de Femmes. Maison de Femmes can be found online at maisondefemmes.com. That's M-A-I-S-O-N-D-E-F-E-M-M-E-S.com. And finally, Tegan Tag Photography. If you are ready for something a little different, ready to stray from the path of a traditional photo session, then get in touch with Tegan Tag Photography. Tegan specializes in water photography, family photo sessions, maternity shoots, and any type of photography incorporating mother nature. Bookings with Tegan can be made online at tegantag.com.au. That's www.teganttag.com.au. Speaking of sort of athletes in a way, the other documentary I checked out was called The Last Mountain, which is a 2022 documentary directed by Chris Terrell. And it focuses on some internationally renowned mountaineers, Alison Hargreaves and her son, Tom Ballard. Uh, and they both died in climbing accidents uh, within like a hundred miles of each other, which was pretty crazy. So obviously like climbing the world's highest mountains is very dangerous. Although like a lot of people want to climb um, Everest, it is still a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, so died climbing K2, not even Everest, like she died climbing the second highest mountain. And basically she was on her way back down and then a storm hit and just took the whole climbing party out. And then Tom, after when he was, he basically was four or five when that happened, uh, him and his sister and their dad went over to the Himalayas and sort of trekked up to see the mountain to see like where their mum passed away and I feel that sort of instilled that passion in him of okay I, I want to do this too and from there he built a career as probably one of the most upcoming exciting young climbers and managed to scale a whole heap of mountains and then decided to do climb a mountain called Nanga Parbat in the Himalayas uh, and they wanted to, him and his climbing partner wanted to go up a path called the Mummery Spur. Terrifying name for mm. a climbing path. <laughs> and they ended up dying on that mountain, like I said, a hundred miles away from where his mum passed away. And then that's where the documentary sort of kicks in. And it's all about watching his rise and using the clips from his social media and stuff of, his experience on that mountain before going on that fateful climb. But then it also focuses on his sister and her journey 
go back to the Himalayas and see where he passed away and try to recover his body, which they can't do, unfortunately. How did he die? They fell, apparently. They're not 100% sure, but it looks like a sort of a storm came through and then they fell and both of them were like, they were still tied together. So they obviously both fell and were gone. From the sound of it, it wasn't a pleasant way to die. Like, I don't think dying on a mountain there ever is a pleasant way. It, yeah, it just it didn't sound nice. And, yeah, it's all about sort of Kate going and wanting to sort of see where he passed away so that she can sort of get some sort of closure. Using all of the archival clips of his mum climbing, him climbing, and then the social media clips of him in the days leading up to it was really sort of made it really emotional film and sad and then witnessing Kate go on that journey to see where he passed away after and then tying that back into the journey she made to see her mum where her mum passed away just made it like hit at an even higher level because when she went back the second time to see Tom's resting place she did the trek with the same Sherpa that carried her as like a two-year-old for the trip to see her mum and it was just like hit super hard because even he when he saw her just like started breaking down like oh. this is this is not how i wanted to see you again and like reconnect like sort of like a film all about obsession heartbreak and grief basically very sad movie some families just are born into different things aren't they like i can't imagine my family being a climbing family like that no but then like and then now kate does like parasailing and paragliding and stuff. I was like, surely you give up the crazy, hectic, dangerous lifestyle after. Stay away from mountains, Kate. Yeah, no, she, she climbs them and jumps off them. Oh, well, she's got the parachute. Yeah. It is crazy now, though. Like when you see um, the, the clips of Everest and things now, it's one of those I guess, sports that technology is kind of caught up to it a little bit. So everyone thinks they can do it. But you just can't fight weather like that. The same thing I know we talked about big wave surfing and it was the same thing. It was the big like life jacket so you can pull on and jet skis. So if you can afford a jet ski and you can afford a life jacket, people think they can surf 40, 50, 60 plus foot waves. Same thing. Like sometimes those things are just going to catch you. Like it's swells yeah. and storms are just they're scary. Yeah, Mother Nature is unbeatable. Like even we've seen that recently with the floods. Like people were looking at it being like, oh, it's fine. It's not going to get to my house. And then within a couple of hours, it was up to their roof. And they're like, whoa, hang on. Yeah. No, just underestimate flood water and drive through it. And it's the same sort of a thing. Like yep. sometimes you just got to respect Mother Nature and go, yeah, you're, you're going to win this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's ridiculous. But with this movie, like some of the shots are incredible, like beautiful shots of the mountains and stuff. I'm like, I can see why people want to go and see these places, but I don't think I'd ever want to go to the top of them. Like it's just so risky to get to the top. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, with Everest, with Everest, like we're talking about planes flying, it's the same height as those jets cruise at is the top of Everest. Wow. I never thought of it that way. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And when you think about how high those planes are up when you're just standing at home and you see them fly over your house. That's how high those people are climbing up. So you're actually just dying once you get past a certain height. 
So once they're up there, their bodies are shutting down already, let alone the weather. Yeah, well, that's insane. I would highly recommend this movie, even though it is very sad, but just such a really compelling tale and beautiful shots. But yeah, if you are a very emotional person, you will probably cry. So Buddy's mum is going to cry. Oh, yeah. She calls it getting your thruppence worth. Yeah, that's when she knows she's got her money's worth out of a movie. <laughs> well, she'll, she'll definitely get her money's worth out of The Last Mountain. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard. Like, it's, it's sad. We need happy documentaries next time, please. Do they make happy documentaries, though? Yeah, I was going to say, they're not as good as stories, are they? You need some drama. Yeah, like a documentary where someone just like, I'm going to do this crazy thing and does it. It's kind of just like, okay. Attenborough. I think the nature documentaries are the ones that they make you fall in love with a little lizard that you think is going to get eaten by the snakes. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah, those ones are nice. Yeah, and you think the snake's going to eat the lizard and he makes it and it's the best. It's a happy documentary. Yeah, when they win. But then they, they'll do that and then they'll lose. And you're like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with those documentaries. Like, you, you might get the happy ending. You might get the real sad, like, oh. Damn you, Attenborough. Some of the sport ones are kind of the happy ending, I guess. Depends on which team it is. I mean, at least Arsenal's going to be the new one, apparently. I'm hanging for the new, I guess it's the all or nothing season or something similar, but apparently they've got a camera crew with them this year. Yeah, they're the next all or nothing, but bro, that is, is that really going to be a happy ending? If you make the Champions League, it will be. Are you going to make the Champions League? Really? You probably will because we'll get kicked out of the bloody thing. Or are you going to pay your players in rubles, Chelsea? <laughs> you take our spot because we'll get kicked out. Yeah, good. So you get having a rough number. Or have no players to fill a goddamn team because all our contracts expire <laughs> and all had to renew them. <laughs> Sucked it. Screw you. I saw that and I was like, how is that fair? That's not fair. Yeah, it is slack considering like he could see it coming and he tried to sell the team. Well, yeah, like he just gave it to the the like fan support club basically and was like, you guys run this because they're going to screw me eventually. And then they still screwed him. Yeah. Just screws the players too. Like they all, there's probably players in there that were like, oh yeah, we're sweet. We're just, we're going through the motions of negotiating a new contract and it's going to go through. And now that's just like, no, you can't renew a contract. So now what do you do? But you can't be sold either. I guess that's the idea though. The more pressure you have from high rolling billionaire, millionaire people to end a war, the more likely it is to happen. And sometimes you forget, though, you're watching soccer players in the EPL. You're literally watching millionaires play soccer against one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. They may as well all be running around in top hats and monocles. That'd be an interesting... <laughs> Pretty much what they're like. That'd be a great watch. <laughs> I was like, I started watching um, the new season of Drive to Survive. Yeah, yeah. And there's a Russian-funded team in there. I'm like... Oh, next season's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think I saw that. They pulled the drivers too, didn't they? Uh, I think this season, yeah, one of the drivers has been turfed out because he's not great. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. He's the son of the Russian owner of the team. I'll do it. And he just kept having crashes. And then I was just like, <laughs> well, that puts it in, puts the team boss in a hard spot. Like, I can't really sack the boss's son because you're crap, can I? No. Crazy. I just can't even comprehend they're having that much money. Make them, you know what I'd say, it, make them race in top hats and monocles too. Everyone in top hats and monocles this week. 
in like the, the old school fancy cars like yeah racing goggles and a little scarf like snoopy style leather driving gloves yeah <laughs> if you're a millionaire own it Alrighty. uh what would be your top recommendation out of these two i love the sound of the, the one that you watched but i think just for highlighting the the way that companies are trying to make money out of taking corners on the safety of everyday people i think yeah downfall of boeing was a really good one on netflix for me yep yeah, I really enjoyed the the downfall of Boeing, but yeah, as someone that is about to get on a plane, maybe don't watch it if you're going to be flying anytime soon, like it's terrifying. So yeah, I I recommend The Last Mountain just purely because of uh like the emotional impact that it has. It was super super sad. Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Jamyaps Media and at Pario Magazine. You can follow Buddy on Instagram at a.b underscore c-s-double-e. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamieapps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps. <laughs>